and welcome to Ending Physician Overwhelm. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Mello. I'm a family and obesity medicine physician, as well as a certified life coach for physicians. In this podcast, we talk about how the learned habits of people-pleasing, perfectionism, and a lack of boundaries show up in our lives and how they contribute to burnout, exhaustion, and overwhelm. The healthcare system is broken, my friends, but let's not wait for it to be fixed in order to feel better. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's episode. If you're listening to this episode close to the week that it airs, we have arrived in 2023. For me, this past year has been kind of a lot. It was my first full year self-employed and included a lot of growth and new challenges. And although I don't do resolutions anymore, I do sit down and look at the upcoming year and set goals for what I want to achieve as well as reflect on how I did this last year. And with that process, what I want to talk about today is how this relates to what so many of my physician clients face, and me too, by the way, um, which is looking at what we have in reality right now. When physicians come to me for coaching, so often the concern is something along the lines of, I don't know how to keep doing this, or I don't know how to do this any better. And I have them tell me what's going on for them in their slice of life and their practice of medicine. Most of the time, these are female identifying physicians. Many have caregiving responsibilities outside of work, either kids or older adults in their life. All are hardworking, determined, and caring people who want to do the best they can by their patients. All are facing increasing time constraints due to the glut of people needing care. All are facing staffing shortages and pressure to reduce costs, typically in the form of squeezing in extra patients. Many have long commutes, many chart late at night, all are drowning in inboxes overflowing with patients' needs and wants, some serious, others less so. But the most important unifying issue with each of these physicians is that somewhere inside they feel like they aren't doing it right or they aren't doing enough. Even when there is defensiveness involved, each of these caring, hardworking people has a belief that they should be able to do more, do better, et cetera, because otherwise it wouldn't be this way. Life wouldn't be so hard. My friends, we have to let go of that narrative. If your friend came to you and told you that she was doing the work of three people after multiple rounds of layoffs in her company, and that there was only one administrative person when they used to have five for the whole team, would you blame her when she said that she was working late at night and behind on several projects? Would you chastise her for not meeting the demands of the 12 extra clients she inherited after the layoffs? Would you point out that the recent New York Times article mentioning that the drop in her company's value was her responsibility to turn around? Never. We would never, ever do that. And yet, many, many of us are doing that to ourselves. There are legitimate reasons why we feel this way, why we start to blame ourselves. The way that we train as physicians can very easily lead us to believe that it's our lack of knowledge or skills or time management that is the reason why we can't get more done. 
We can't prevent bad outcomes. We can't motivate a patient to make a lifestyle change. If only we were better, we would have this figured out. Often our systems are losing or cutting staff and demanding increased access or productivity or both without reducing or eliminating unnecessary work. And without permission to do less or the autonomy to make the decision to do so, we often keep doing low yield tasks as well as trying to cram in as much patient care into our already overrun days as possible. The math just doesn't work here. But even if we feel this way, even if we have believed that it's our own inadequacies that make us unable to sustain a sprint pace during the marathon of our medical careers, we can learn to have new thoughts and beliefs, and we can learn to change. A study published in August 2022 in Medical Economics showed that primary care physicians would need 26 hours per day in order to address all of the care needs for a typical panel of patients. 26 hours per day just on patient care in order to handle acute care visits, chronic disease management, cancer screenings, vaccinations, well visits, messages from patients, reviewing outside records, etc. If teams work together effectively, that number drops to 9 hours per day. This study proves the case that even with excellent teams in place, there is still a very full working day's work, worth of work to do for our jobs. Most of us are struggling with not having excellent teams right now. Um, some of us don't really have any staff supporting us. Many physicians right now are rooming their own patients and cleaning rooms in between visits because there simply is not the support staff. And yet, we have not often let go of any of the tasks on our plate in the visit. So is it futile? Do we give up? Do we quit? Do we go get that job as a barista? Um, many places are hiring, so it's certainly a possibility. I'm not sure why we as physicians always pick barista as our dream job, but um, that's something I hear over and over again, so I'll just throw it out there. But my argument is no. But faced with this evidence, faced with the evidence that there is far more work to be done than we could ever do, right? No one has 26 hours per day in a 24-hour day. And even if we had 26 hours in our day, we also need to eat, sleep, pee, um, you know, interact with our loved ones, all of those other things, of course. So when we look at this evidence and we look at our current mindsets, I argue that this is a call for us to get real about what we have, what we expect of ourselves, and how we choose to think about the entire situation. And by the entire situation, I mean the American healthcare system, I mean the insurance companies as they are, I mean the for-profit you know, insurance and hospital systems as they are that are often our employers. Look at that big picture. Is it helpful? to continue to beat ourselves up and believe that we are ineffective given you know, the kind of proof we have of that there is far more work to be done than we could ever reasonably do. Of course not, right? It is not reasonable to continue to feel like it is our problem to solve, that we are ineffective or inefficient and that it is our fault that we are in this situation. It's absolutely not true. 
So let's break it down now. I encourage you for this next part to sit down with pen and paper and you know, actually kind of go through this exercise. If you're driving or you're out on a walk right now, just listen to the words and come back to it. But don't skip this work if you want to get started on feeling better. Unfortunately, in the process of learning to feel better, right, not just to feel better, but to feel our feelings better, we need to get really clear on what's going on. And sometimes that takes you know, what I'd say is kind of a painful examination of the state of things. And I'm going to walk you through that process here. So the first step is to ask yourself, what is the reality of my situation? Try to look at your work situation as factually as possible without judgment. How many patients do you see? And I want you to include the scheduled patients as well as the people that you are asked to sort of double book and work in, um, you know, whatever that looks like in your setting. What's the average volume of inbox work that comes to you? And you could, you know, quantify that by, you know, the number of messages that come through or, you know, any way that makes sense to you. Do you have a medical assistant or other clinical staff working with you? And is it the normal number compared to last year or before the pandemic? Do you have the support for the visits or support for the inbox work or some of the other administrative stuff that comes up? If you're short-staffed, what is the extra work that you are doing? Um, and I would include tasks such as cleaning rooms, um, doing the medication reconciliation with your patients, things that may have used to have been done by others. What are the extra asks that come to you routinely, including things like taking double books, adding preventative care, uh, you know, onto acute visits. So a patient comes in for a cold, but, you know, you're being asked to go through their colon cancer screening, you know, preferences and all of this. What is that extra work? Um, forms that got dropped off on your desk with nothing completed. For example, sports physical forms or FMLA paperwork, things that come to you with little or no information attached and little or no information completed on your behalf. Get really detailed you know, in this list about what's currently happening in your practice on a regular basis. And you know, just stick to the facts. So don't put judgments in there like, I never get any help. But simply say, you know, we used to have 10 medical assistants to support uh, you know, eight physicians, and now we have two medical assistants for the whole clinic. Right. So we're not saying that we have no help, but we're getting really detailed about what the help is there. And then step two, you know, when you look at this list, what are the extra things that you're adding in? And this may be work that you are, um, you know, really committed to. It may be the way that you want to take care of patients or the way that you think is the right way to take care of patients, but maybe a little bit extra. So are you letting patients set the agenda and give you their complete list, even when you've been cut down to you know, 10 or 15 minute appointments? Are you writing really elaborate notes with complete sentences and wanting it to look a certain way? Are you hand typing each note or are you using templates and smart phrases? Are you still you know, checking all the boxes, um, you know, making sure that you're hitting all the HEDIS measures and all the little sort of administrative extra stuff that gets added on 
even though you're seeing three extra patients per day and you're being asked to clean your rooms? Have you taken any tasks off your list? Have you been given permission to take tasks off your list or have you chosen to take any tasks off your list? So the goal here is to identify what you are continuing to do even though your other work asks have increased. Most of us have increased responsibilities right now in terms of the number of patients we see. Um, you know, we have less staff to perform the easier tasks like, you know, filling in the name and the insurance information or whatever that looks like. Um, you know, for sports physicals, copying out the information from the last, you know, exam the patient had. Um, you know, you might be doing your own vitals. Um, you might be cleaning rooms, as I mentioned. Despite the increased work, most of us have not taken things off our list, um, you know, even though we can no longer really accommodate them. We have, you know, simply pushed ourselves to work harder and harder and harder past reasonable limits. And of course, so many of us are feeling more and more overwhelmed and frustrated by that. Um, so that's, you know, kind of the second part. And the goal here is not for us to feel terrible about the situation we're in. We're just taking a really clear snapshot of where we are, what we have going on. The third step is how do we want to think about our work situation moving forward? If you've been feeling really drained, overwhelmed, undervalued, overworked, this is your invitation to decide for yourself what you can let go of. Many of us have an idea of how we would like to provide care, how much time we would like to spend with our patients, how we would like to be able to answer all of their questions. We would like to be responsive, caring, effective. We would like to have excellent support teams around us to provide a really you know, seamless care experience for our patients. And with the very real challenges in front of us, including demands for access, staffing shortages, you know, the challenges of the triple demic going on, right? We've got COVID, we've got influenza, we've got RSV, and now a ton of strep throat. Um, so we'll just throw that into the mix. Maybe we'll call it a quad demic from now on. Um, it's simply unreasonable for us to expect that we can deliver, you know, that beautiful, seamless, uh, you know, experience where we're taking care of all the needs and answering all the questions right? That simply isn't realistic for what's on the table in front of us. And it's not because of a failing on our part. It's not because we are not a good enough or, you know, we're not effective enough or any of that. It's simply because there are only so many minutes in the day. There is only, you know, so much speed you can put in your actions and your words, right? And there's no limit to the number of questions or concerns that anybody might have in their head that they might you know, want answered right now. So what would it look like for you to do well and to feel better with what you have right now, knowing that it isn't going to be that ideal place, right? The way that you wanna take care of patients and knowing that you aren't going to provide bad care. You aren't simply going to send everyone out the door, um, you know, with antibiotics for their viral upper respiratory infection, or you know, all of all of the care that gets delivered at various, uh, shall we say, uh, doc in the box clinics, right? We aren't going to lower the standards of our care, but 
we do need to think about some boundary settings, including with patients, but also including with our employers, but also with ourselves. And that includes things like taking time to eat and drink during the day, taking time to decompress after work, whatever that looks like for you. Boundary setting also includes being clear when you need to set an agenda, when you need to say no to a request. It can include kind language. I wish we had time to cover that today, but there isn't time to do a good job here. So we're gonna have to leave that for next time. It can also be, I don't have time to work in any extra patients because right now it's taking me, you know, X amount of time to see the patients and complete my documentation. And I need additional time to clean the room because I don't have support for that. I'm not going to be able to take on that extra piece of work unless you are able to, um, you know, give me some support um, with cleaning rooms and rooming patients, right? We're being kind, but also being clear. But, you know, if you're seeing more patients and you have more responsibility, you have to handle less in each visit. Otherwise, again, the math doesn't work. There is simply, you know, only a certain amount of time. If you have three extra patients added onto your day, you have to take on less in each visit. I know that that doesn't feel good, but it unfortunately is the reality that so many of us are facing right now. A really key part of this work is accepting that it's uncomfortable to say no. And I think that this is a major, major sticking point for so many of us is that when we start setting boundaries, it does not feel good to us. It feels very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to set limits and not everyone will be happy with your decision. People will not come and give you gold stars and say, thank you so much for setting boundaries with me. Uh, I can see how that's been helpful. It's just not the way it goes. And yet that isn't a sign that what you are doing is wrong or a failure. Being willing to disappoint other people is the way, and being willing, I should say, to feel uncomfortable with setting boundaries is the way that you can start to do a more reasonable workload to feel less frustration, and to be really clear with your own boundaries on self-care, to give yourself the time that you need to take really good care of yourself so that you can continue to show up to work, that you can continue to take care of the patients that need you. This is work on letting go of being driven by your people-pleasing parts, owning your own agency as a human, and your skills as a physician and knowing that you cannot help everyone. And if you're out there, you're family medicine like me, and you're trained to be able to help everyone, you still cannot help everyone. There are you know, conditions that you do not know how to manage. And that is true for every single one of us, no matter what your training is. Some of us have age limits on people that we don't manage because we're not trained or we're not proficient in being able to manage that right? There are always going to be things that are outside our skill level, our expertise, and we are not able to manage those things. That is normal and that is okay. Even if you knew how to help every single person, every single condition, every single age, you simply do not have the time in order to be able to help everyone. We have to accept that. 
And none of this is because of any internal failing. You are not a failure for not being able to address the care needs of every single person in front of you. One person simply cannot do it all. Again, the math doesn't work. So you, my lovely listener, did not create the situation that we are in as physicians. You didn't create the mess of the insurance system and the for-profit health systems with administrative bloat that are now struggling financially. You didn't create those financial shortfalls that these systems are facing. Even if your employer says, well, we didn't meet our financial goal because blah, 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 departments didn't see enough patients. It is still not your fault. You don't determine what someone's health insurance does and doesn't pay for. You likely don't choose the amount of time that is allotted for patients or the exact number of patients that you see per day or who wants to be seen or needs to be seen. You didn't create the staffing shortages or the pandemic or any of these conditions that are creating such difficulty right now. But you can create new beliefs about what you do and don't do each day. And you can create new beliefs that you are not responsible for all of the ills that come your way. New beliefs about what is reasonable to do, what needs to be let go of, and I'll put elaborate notes in that bucket, (laughs) and how necessary it is to take care of yourself each and every day, taking care of your own physical needs as well as your emotional needs. You are the asset. You are the one who is highly capable and highly licensed And your well-being is 100% worthy of your time, even if it inconveniences or disappoints others. And I know from experience that many, um, you know, primary care physicians of all stripes, whether that's family medicine, whether it's pediatricians, whether it's primary care internal medicine physicians or um, OBGYNs who primarily function as primary care physicians, we often can feel like we are less capable, less worthy compared to our more specialized colleagues. However, in our clinics, in our hospitals, in our situations, we are still incredibly highly licensed, skilled, and you know valuable to the patients that we serve. And we have to own that. You don't have to earn that. You simply are that person. You are the asset and you deserve protection. And protection in this context really involves those boundaries around taking care of yourself. And again, I'll say it again, even if it inconveniences others or disappoints others. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for joining me in this new year. I hope that this discussion is helpful and that you sit down to do the work to consider how you will think about your role in the reality of what you have to work with. This work is really about getting clear on what is the reality of your work situation right now and how can you adjust yourself in response to, you know, what really is a crisis mode right now. You know, it's not simply the pandemic. It's not simply the staffing shortages. It's all of that together. And so, you know, if we get really clear about it, then we can unburden ourselves a bit. We can take better care of ourselves and we can be the person who is able to show up to work, 
was able to get their work done, able to take care of themselves along the way, able to get home and able to, you know, take care of their needs on the other side of their day. Um, I will mention that if you would like to read the article that I referenced, you'll find the link in the show notes. Um, again, that article is from Medical Economics. Um, and as always, um, you know, I invite you to uh, certainly subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review in iTunes if you like what you hear. That helps other people to be able to find the podcast. And if you are listening to uh, the podcast the week that it releases, please also consider joining me for my upcoming program, Healing Perfectionism in Women Physicians. Um, this is my exclusive coaching group with women physicians, and our next round starts January 8th. This is the place where we join together to do this work of untangling our current thoughts and beliefs to create new ones. CME is available for this, and you can find all the details by heading over to my website at www.healthierforgood.com and clicking upcoming groups in the top menu bar. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you as always for listening. To learn more about my coaching programs, head to www.healthierforgood.com. And if you love this podcast, please drop us a review on iTunes or support the show by clicking the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care.